here we go. From the Steel City, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, welcome to Post-Christian Pastors, the podcast hosted by three pastors that dives into faith, relationships, pop culture, ministry, current issues, and a whole lot more. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to welcome, 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 welcome to Post-Christian Pastors. We are so glad that you've joined us. The boys are back once again. Uh, you didn't have to wait three more years. We came back. I am Pastor Mark Helsel, and with me today... Pastor John Price. I guess uh, we're being formal today. Oh, Pastor Reverend. <laughs> Reverend. The How right? often do you use the Reverend title, John? How often do you um, drop that in parties? Yeah. Oh, never in parties. <laughs> That's like a conversation <laughs> stopper right there. Um, oh, yeah. Airplanes. It's yes, a conversation. Yeah. Oh, I can. I have great stories. I'm sure you do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of just how you've quieted a room. Oh, yeah. And absolutely. then people apologize. Right. About yeah. their yeah. behavior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or else you just start like it's like becomes like a line like confession or something. People start just like right. confessing oh, all yeah, their I've sins. Oh yeah, had that too. Yeah. Oh yeah, especially when they drink too much. Yeah. It's real fun, <laughs> really fun. So this is the Reverend, the Right Reverend John Price, and uh, joining us in a few minutes. He's uh, running a little late. Will be uh, Reverend Michael P. Arnold, yes. as he reminded us yeah. last time. <laughs> yes, uh, he's his. Uh, he'll be with us too. So. Here we are. We are just three pastors. If you've never listened to post-Christian pastors, we're just three pastors. You may wonder, why are you post-Christian? Well, we really just talk about how do you, we're trying to help ourselves and help others live a uh, live as a follower of Jesus in right. a post-Christian right. society. Now, if yep. you don't believe the United States is post-Christian, uh, you haven't been alive the last six months. Uh, <laughs> so uh, he's not paying attention. Um, but uh, no, I mean, there's ways that we are post-Christian. There's ways that obviously Christianity is very uh, live and you know vibrant in America, but we just use it as a title, yep. post-Christian uh, and post-Christian pastor. So we are, that's what we do. We talk about things that are happening in our culture. And today, the title of our podcast is called Lost in America. Um, you might go, what, where'd you get lost in America? <laughs> well, did we got lost for three years. So. Yeah, we did get lost for three years. That's, <laughs> that's where we were. Did, did you ever have, did you ever, did you ever been with somebody who's incredibly bad at directions and they could get lost? Like, you're like, how could you get lost here? <laughs> yes. Like, how does that happen? Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's, maybe I'm it's, not naming names. I can say anything. But I'm like, how in the world are you lost? Like, I, I don't even know. My fiance no, I'll, I'll go there. I'm just kidding. She told me she's not going to listen to the podcast okay. till we get married. So, <laughs> and then she'll binge it. She dude. wants me to get my act together and get this thing together because we were supposed to be married already, but then mm-hmm. the COVID hit, and you know, so now I've got to get my act together. So she's not going to listen. So I can say whatever I want. <laughs> so anyway, we're calling it Lost in America because John, I think that there's a lot of people right now who um, they just feel kind of lost. Mm. They don't, they don't, there's a lot of things going on, right? There's a lot of things. There's things to think about COVID. People aren't quite sure what to think about that. Um, different states think different things. Different governors think different, different, the president, whatever. I mean, just people, just scientists, mm-hmm. people just feel lost, okay? They feel a little bit lost with that. They feel lost with uh, the racial issues, and we're going to talk more about that today, and our guest is going to talk about it. Maybe they feel lost of like what to do or what to believe or who to listen to, or maybe they just feel like this is all new to them. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, I, I mean, a lot of people thought race, racial issues ended in 1960s. Right. right? So, I mean, like people just people just a lot of people don't know what to do you know your average guy or or lady taking their kid to soccer practice and trying to uh everybody's a homeschooler now um at least in pennsylvania just trying to get through work and school and all that stuff they just don't have a lot of time to really even put it all together and figure out how should i feel and Mm -hmm. you could go literally down their facebook feed and they'll read one friend says this the next friend says this Right, and I think that's actually part of the reason we feel so lost. Yeah, right, is because there are so many "quote unquote" authorities, right, speaking completely opposite things. Right, right. It's, <laughs> whether it's COVID, right. whether it's race, whether it's you know, you name it. There is there are so many thoughts and opinions that it becomes a bit overwhelming. Right, right. and. So we do it. We feel lost, and it's you know, and part of that lostness comes from you know not just having a lot of people 
you know, quote, authorities speaking on uncertain ways, but everyone feels there's also the sense that everyone thinks that they are an authority on a topic yeah, yeah. right because you right. have a you have a facebook or twitter or whatever right and Instagram, so you Instagram, you're an authority <laughs> right you're an authority right i can you know whatever i say is is the is the truth right and so that's you know, a whole podcast oh that is itself. a whole podcast but it it, it, it really uh so does not I, help. I mean your average person you know good-hearted person i mean you i mean there are people that yeah, they're they, they they have agendas or whatever. But your typical, they're probably not listening to this podcast. Good-hearted people. Yeah, no, no, no. no. Oh, sorry, no. Good-hearted <laughs> people. No, people with agendas like oh, probably aren't listening yes, to this no, podcast. No. But but um, but, but good-hearted people just trying to figure out. I mean, I, I you know the, probably most of the people listening to this are Christians. They're just trying to figure out like what, what do I do, man? Like mm-hmm. how, help me, you know, like because they might even have tried to stay out of it. Like I want to I'm going to read you what one of my friends wrote on Facebook. She was writing in response to some actions that she saw people protesting. Uh, some things that they did at people that were eating at a restaurant outside or walking mm. on the street, some of the things they said or did to them. And, um, and she just, you know, she was fed up. She was fed up. And she wrote this, she wrote, she wrote like after she saw the video, she was like, really? I don't like to post about divisive issues, but I'm not going to be silent about this one in my own hometown. Okay. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, inexcusable exclamation point. I'm disgusted. This is not the way to help their cause. What are they thinking? Who acts like this? Okay. Mm-hmm. So you, she sees this video, she writes this, and then this is the response immediately. She gets minutes later from another person. Okay. She, they wrote, civility ended when people of color continued to be murdered by racist cops for no reason in 2020. Civility ended when a racist president and elected officials do nothing but put their hands in their pockets and let it continue de facto support it. I'm glad you're outraged by this white couple having their lunch disrupted because now the protesters plight has your attention. I'm surprised by your lack of empathy to their daily struggles, considering that you worship Jesus's teachings. There's no nice way to say this, but I'm embarrassed for you that you don't realize that a vote for 45 is a racist vote. That is not what she thought she was getting into. Right? Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. Holy cow. Right. I'm not. Yeah. We're not (laughs) going to unpack that. That wasn't the point. The point wasn't to unpack it. The point was just to say, how could you not be confused in the middle of all that? Right. Whether you agree with whoever right. on whatever side of that, how could you not just look at that and go, you kind of throw up your hands and right. go, I'm not sure what I should do. Not sure what I should say. Not sure what I should believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's tough. And part of the problem too, is that, you know, there is truth in what both of those people said. Right. Right. And that makes it even harder because we've we've become to a point in our culture where we can't be nuanced in our conversations. Yeah, it is really. We could do a whole episode called The Death of Nuance. Right. We can't say that this is wrong and this is wrong and they both are wrong at the same time. We right. can't do that. It's just impossible. Why do you think that is? Is that because a lack of – is that just a – a hatred is it a is it hatred getting in the way is it a desire to be right is it a lack of discernment what what do you think that is i don't know man if i knew i would be. You, you would write a book like marv you can you can make right. a lot more than sell a lot more books than marv marv, marv did all right but you know <laughs> No, seriously. Like, yeah. what do you think? Just like top of the top of your head. I know I didn't prepare you right, for this. No, but like, what what do you? I mean, obviously, you know, as pastors, you know, and Christians, it's 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 sin, right? It's that's the that's the underlying, you know, it's it, at its root, it's sin, right? Not to sound spiritual, right, right. but you know what? That might be part of the problem too. Is we're not having spiritual conversations either, right? We're just we're not talking about sin. We're not talking about right. discernment. That, that's a spiritual gift right, right. That, that we're, we're not talking about we're, we're just we're not talking on that level right on a lot of things yeah and we're and and we're we're taking we're, we're i think part of it too is we're we're we've come to a point for some reason and you know where um where if if we disagree on any point even if we like say 90% agree. Yeah, we could have nine things we agree with and one we don't. Right. 
And out of ten, and then there's so then that that means that there's no way that we can actually, you know, mm-hmm. come together, right? Because we've yeah. not agreed on because I'll cancel you. Because right, and it's just this, and I think is there's just this incredible um, longing for to be right, and you know, or to be um, to be the one who has the answer well this is part one of a lost in america kind of we'll look at some different things of a a multi multi uh episode uh yeah topic yeah Yeah, because there's like there's a lot going on yeah i I can't think of a time in ministry i've been in ministry 30 years i can't think of a time where there was more things going on at the same exact time and and where you had to walk through multiple issues and those issues even kind of got intertwined and I can't think of one off the top of my head, but but I don't think there is. I I, I don't know, but we're going to walk through this as uh, pastors, as Christians, trying to figure this out, and not only figure it out, I really think we're called, we're, I mean, we're called to be a witness in the midst of it. Right. We're called to be peacemakers right. in the midst of it. We're called to love those uh, on whatever side. Yeah. I mean, that's why Christians often don't fit in on it or shouldn't fit right. in on one side or the other, but trying to find our way through this and, and not only that, but thrive. Yeah. It's a great time to be the church. I, I don't know if many people believe that, but I think it is a great time to be the church and uh, we're going to have these conversations and hope they help. Yeah. And when we come back, Mike's going to be with us and uh, he has a friend with him and uh, that, he, that, he, that he brought on as a guest and uh, it's going to be fun. We're going to meet uh, him and we're going to talk uh about some racial issues in America. We're going to talk about growing up different. We're going to, uh, you know, different color skin. People grew up differently than maybe you and I. And so we're going to look at those issues and all that stuff when we come back right here on Post-Christian Pastors. So don't go anywhere. Come right back. Welcome back to Post Christian Pastors. This is Mike. It's great to be with you. And we're continuing this conversation, uh, just a challenging one to have for sure, on race in America and how to address it uh, from multiple perspectives. And today, when we invite a guest, and Ryan Blackwell has been a friend of mine for over 20 years. Isn't that correct, Ryan? We've known each other for a long time. Yeah, it makes makes it sound like we're we're getting older, but I know that uh, that that might be just you. But yeah, it's been <laughs> twenty twenty great years of friendship, and uh, I've appreciated it along along all of life's journeys for sure. I'm Most- impressed that you've known Mike for twenty years and you still call him friend. <laughs> no, it's uh. It's been, it's been a great it's great friendship, great adventure. But yeah, 20, 20, 20 years of great memories. Just sure. so you two Yinzers know, Ryan is a Cleveland Browns fan, just like me, a diehard Cleveland Browns fan. And Ryan, what are you thinking this season? Do you think uh, the Browns are going to beat the Steelers? Well, Ryan, thanks for being with us. We'll uh, <laughs> see you later. Uh, man, I've, I've learned over the years that... Um, uh, political correctness just, now. Yeah, say I'm it. the football gonna say team. Anything. Say I'm it. Gonna lead, I'm going to lead by uh, by results. What are you like? Any, so I'm going to keep my mouth. I'm are you like one shut. in twenty one or something in the last ten years? Something two in twenty. We're not going to talk about how we beat you guys down last year in Cleveland. Okay. All right. <laughs> Uh, in multiple ways. But anyways, anyways, Ryan's been a good friend. Ryan serves as a global head of revenue operations for our large company, uh, global company, uh, headquartered out of New York, uh, is married. He's got two beautiful daughters and a great dude. Also, Ryan's a follower of Jesus, and the two of us met together years ago uh, in church and really grew closer together just because of our, our passion for Jesus Christ, but then also just the shared values we have. Uh, and Ryan's been a friend of mine for years. He also is black, and um, it's kind of awkward to even say that because, Ryan, <laughs> I mean, you've been a great friend, and I hate to even say anything that's different between the two of us. But we've had many conversations through the years Ryan, just about sometimes funny ones where we joke about kind of the differences we have culturally. Um, 
But then we've had some very serious conversations as well on the topic of race. And today we brought you on just to kind of help us get some perspective um, on some of these things that we're seeing in society today, maybe from a different perspective. Mark and John and I, we're, we're all white guys living in Western Pennsylvania right now, which might be one of the whitest places on earth. I know, Ryan, you <laughs> lived out this way or worked out this way for a period of time as well, so you understand that. Um, but we're looking for you just for some some thoughts and perspectives, if that's okay with you. Yeah, no, listen, uh, I mean, and I, I actually, Mike, I, I know I joke about about Pittsburgh a lot, but, uh, you know, I know this to be true about the people of Pittsburgh. They're just, they're just good, hardworking family people, you know? And so, uh, yeah, happy to talk about, uh, cultural differences, racial differences, how people grow up. Uh, I always say that what you expect and what you experience, um, everything in the middle is kind of like that expectation gap. And that has a lot to do with how race has evolved and how it continues to be a, I would say a very polarizing conversation, especially today uh, with everything that we've got going on in, in, in the, I would say in, in, in the U S as well as the global macro economy. So it's, uh, it's happy to have the conversation and, and uh, listen, uh, as much as I'll, I'll share in the conversation, I, I'd, I'd love to hear your perspectives from you guys as well. Thanks Ryan. Well, I know that you have a, um, a perspective and I know your history, I know your family's history, but I want you to share briefly just for a few minutes uh, your family, where you came from, your, where, your, where your parents came from, and kind of your upbringing uh, in particular. Yeah, and I, w- I would say this, and uh, first and foremost, I, I, I was blessed to have two unbelievable role models for parents. Uh, and, and I hate to steal something from the Steelers as much as I hate them, but in my house, <laughs> oh, in my house growing up, right, the standard was the standard. No, <laughs> that's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> and so, you know, I was, was, was blessed to have parents that, that set that, that out there. And I knew, my brother knew, that there's a standard in our house. And no matter what happened outside of the four walls of, of, of home Blackwell, there was a standard that was, was rooted in, in the word and rooted in, in modeling out what you said and what you believed. And so I didn't have to question or second guess that that standard was something that my father or mother just told to us. They, they, they did it. Uh, and so whether that standard was something I agreed with or didn't agree with, um, they did a good job of not only just modeling it, but holding us accountable for it as well. And so without getting into all the, the funny stories of how I would go left or right from that standard and how they were purposeful about driving me back to that standard, it just really formed my views of, of what, 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 what was important around modeling and what it was out to be just a good human being and, and to live out standards that were defined in the home. But long-winded way of saying I couldn't have had a better example of role models that just lived out what they believed. And so that was a good starting point and a good foundation for me and, and really quite candidly kept me in or out of things um, that, that aligned with the standard that they were driving. That's great. Thanks, Ryan. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up. Um, you went to a school that was uh, racially mixed, black and white. Um, tell us just some of the things that you observed and learned just by going to that high school. Yeah, and, and I will back up by saying that I, I you know, I started in uh, an elementary school that was, you know, in the Akron Public School District. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, I'll never forget this, right? My mom caught a lot of heat actually being in the Akron Public School system. Um, moved her kids out of that that lack of diverse school system into a suburban school system um, because she felt that that we were missing out on some of the things that and has she you know she didn't define it this way but I see it this way now uh, there's a dominant culture that that she said that at the end of the day um, you have to understand and put yourself in position to to really know how to interact mm-hmm. with people that didn't look like you or people that actually came from a more of a dominant culture. And when I say dominant culture, I don't necessarily mean like physically dominant. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just more dominant than the minority Mm -hmm. uh, by just sheer math. Uh, And so, you know, I I went to that high school and it was more of a diverse high school at the time it it grew to that. But I went from being uh, someone that was, you know, in the majority to someone in the minority uh, by the, the flick of a finger from, uh, from an eighth grade to a freshman year. And boy, was it, 
would it was a culture shock because my parents had actually always put us in that environment to to not necessarily see color um but but boy did i but i see the did i see the differences for people that look like me that didn't have that exposure that experience and what can you can you elaborate on what what were the differences like how was it how you were treated was it was it just cultural things that obviously were different i mean what 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 was most glaring to you yeah i would i would say this is that um and and you know as much as i i'd like to say it changes from 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 middle school <laughs> to yeah. high school uh i actually laugh because it, nothing changes other than we get older and the problems just 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 get a little bit more more heavy uh, and more financially positioned, but let me just go back and, and middle school, right? And so, well, middle school was all about fitting in and all about belonging and finding a sense of purpose with your friends. And and so the funny part about that was something as simple as, hey, I had a standard for. And Mike knows this story pretty well, and he knows my dad. My dad's probably one of these like don't Cosby mess. Carti- don't Cosby mess. cartoon characters, right? Do not and mess so, with Roosevelt. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll never forget this. Um, we were very good soccer team. Uh, we had, had uh, been in the state semifinals, state finals. We just had a great group of guys that were probably one of the best soccer teams in the state for probably a period of three years. By the way, Mark is drooling because he had a soccer mullet for much of his upbringing <laughs> and also played college soccer I was a as well. collegiate player too. He played as well. <laughs> and, and, and I'll never forget this. And I, my dad came in and he said, hey, listen, uh, you, you had two C's. Mm-hmm. And this isn't the standard that I set. And so you're going to sit out the next two games. And I'll never forget going to school. And uh, one, of my, one of my African-American friends, one of my black friends said, let me get this straight. <laughs> Your dad is making you sit out of a conference championship game because you brought home two C's. Ooh, the standard and is he lo- the standard. <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. And, and, and he used these words. I'll never forget this because it kind of hurt. He said, that is the most uncle tom thing i've ever heard oh, wow. wow oh wow and i said to myself like what does he mean did he just <laughs> call my dad uncle tom because <laughs> there is a standard that i had to meet at my home and because i wasn't living up to the standard there were consequences for my behavior uh-huh. and so for me i felt like wow here's a person who's black like me who can't comprehend the consequences and the standard that was set in my home. And as a byproduct thought that it was a standard that wasn't necessarily deemed for that culture. Interesting. Ryan, how have you navigated the the black and white tension? You know, did that's an interesting thing that your, your African-American friend called your dad and uncle Tom mentality. Where else have you faced that tension? Yeah, but I but even before I would answer that, Mike, I would I would back up okay. and I would I would say that that you know the the question that I probably wrestled with the most was, you know, why did this person ask that question? Um, feel like that was and 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 by definition, right? And and Uncle Tom from somebody that's black to somebody else that's black means you're almost like selling out your race. What what does that mean to you when you hear that? Does that do you do you see a, a like a a division amongst an own race of people over how it should be or how what is the cause of problems in the black community? I mean, or what are, what is the standard? You know, like what that's I guess yeah. I'm, yeah. I hope no, I, it's a, but it's 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 I mean, and it's 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 great that we're kind of stumbling over this because right. I think at the at the root of it is 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 a lot of the issues because there's there's twofold, right? And and one is this. One, I told you earlier that my parents said the standard's the standard. Right. So they not only set the standard, but they modeled the standard and they had the ability to have I, I almost call it like a pace car or a show pony. Okay. Someone that they actually looked at that they said could achieve this and has achieved this. Well, we have a whole culture, right, in the black community that has glorified things that 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 make when you're outside of that 
cultural glorification, it's almost like you're an outlier, hmm. right? I, I make an example of like, hey, Ben Carson, my brother is a doctor. Yeah. And my brother, I'll never forget, the person that my brother looked at um, and he read books about when he was young was Ben Carson. Well, my brother has since grown to have met Ben Carson. He's like, ah, oh, Ben Carson's a nice guy, but he's kind of whack in some areas. <laughs> so, so my brother's like, wow, gosh, I, I idolized this guy growing up. I had a chance to meet him. And then he started to run and he started to get away from medicine and thought he wanted to be in politics. And I'm like, whoa, stick to medicine, man. Leave the politics <laughs> to politicians. And so what I'm saying is that that culture has created these I would say cultural heroes for the black communities and these cultural heroes that they've created for these black communities aren't necessarily like these, I would say widely successful or achievable routes. Your dad wouldn't right? approve. <laughs> Your dad oh would not man. Approve. So, so listen, Hey, doctors, right. Yeah. CEOs, head of private equity firms, head of hedge funds, all of these, what I would consider today, right? If I went into to, to many of the top five schools, and I would ask, why? Again, there's not a lot of representation of African Americans there either. They would all know, hey, I know that the head of Blackstone is Schwartzman. I know that the head of Cerberus is Feinberg. I know that, and they have people that not only look like them that they can associate and aspire to be because there's that connection of just you flip that on the other side and here's a guy that's saying wow that's an uncle tom move because i'm actually going outside of what they've seen as defined as successful path for their people and so there's a whole bigger problem around this even in the black community that needs to be solved with education and opportunity not just opportunity for the sake of a handout but an opportunity to create a platform for you to go work hard and be a pace car or a role model inside of an area that someone else can replicate the same. Does that, does that make sense? Oh yeah. Sure very does. much. Most definitely. Yeah. Ryan, I think that's really interesting. I mean, I, I remember uh, just recently seeing a friend of mine on Facebook post that uh, he's, uh, he's African American himself and he's been a part of, you know, kind of predominantly white churches uh, seeking racial reconciliation, seeking that as part of his and his family's desire uh, and um, has recently been uh, felt the call to pastoral ministry. And and he wanted to, and he, he's uh, moved and relocated to serve under an African-American pastor that he really re- respects, who's, who's leading a multicultural uh, congregation. And he said that his son, who I think is like five or six, sure. met their new pastor and he goes my pastor looks like me oh yeah like he had never had had that kind of representation to say hey there's (laughs) there's somebody who looks like me and i can and i think that's really helpful for you to kind of point out ryan is that there's it's not just it's in every walk of life that there's this representation uh of folks that hey there's something that person has achieved something that i can achieve as well that's really powerful too, and probably something that, um, as the majority, we don't feel that pressure, because I have a lot of different role models that I can look to, um, and that look like me. Um, and very rarely have I ever walked into a room where I am such the minority that I feel out of place. Ryan, have you ever had that experience where you've walked into a place, and what is that like to, to be the one that looks different or feels does that feel different to you or is there pressure in that area yeah i would tell you that that for me i've been a little naive um to this uh over and i think over the last call it nine to twelve months it's just became more evident to me because i've just almost had blinders on um and so you know when i go to board meetings today uh, when I'm in executive meetings in the organization, uh, I have now been probably more aware of my surroundings than I have been in the past. And, and I will tell you that when I look to my left and look to my right, and now as we're all on Zoom and Teams calls, I can see everybody on camera. Um, boy, I, I realize that, that I am absolutely in the minority in some of these big executive meetings. 
And so with all of the, the movement and with all of the things that are going on now, it's just taken on more of a heightened um, sense of awareness, even by those that are on the call. Um, so yeah, Mike, the short way to answer your question is um, <laughs> the meeting that I'll jump on at four o'clock today, I'm 100% certain that I'll be the only black guy in that meeting, which is a pre-board meeting um, full of probably 15 to 20 executives. Hmm. Um, and so the question probably many will ask is why, right? Um, right. And, and so those are, those are so many questions that, you know, if you just take the surface answer, um, you may get it wrong. Um, and you may cause more harm than good for, for actually being a part of the solution. How, how does that feel for you? Um, as a white person, when I'm in that room, it, it feels like nothing to me. Is there, is there a different experience for you when you're on a call like that? Yeah, let me maybe just um, maybe reverse the question. Have you ever gone into uh, a building um, uh, and walked into that building and you're the only white person in that building? Maybe one time in my life. <laughs> yeah. How'd, how'd, you, how'd you feel? Uh, yeah, just keenly aware. Keenly aware. And I, yeah. very, very aware, right? Yeah. So one time in your life you've walked in and you've <laughs> been the only white person in the room. And boy, were you keenly aware that, uh-oh, um, I might not be in Kansas anymore. Yeah. Uh, right. So I had, I had, a, I had a really yeah. funny experience like that. The one of the first times, cause I grew up in predominantly white neighborhood and everything like that. But one time I went to see a movie way back in the early nineties in downtown Columbus, Ohio. It was the, called the last boy scout. It was Bruce Willis and Damon, Damon Wayans. Yeah. And I, and a friend of mine were the only white people in the theater and I was acutely aware of that yep. at the beginning, but I will say this. I had the time of my life because I didn't realize until that point in my life that people talked to the movie while it was <laughs> happening and were cheering like they up and cheering, like up and cheering. It was an interactive experience, which I did not realize movies were at that point in my life <laughs> in the early nineties. But, uh, but I was acutely aware. Yeah, definitely. Like I was the only white guy, only yes. two, two of us. Yeah. So so now think of like ninety percent of your daily interactions. Right. Yep. Um, you're the only one in the room, and on the rare occasion where you're not the only one in the room, it's almost like you're almost like whoa. Uh, <laughs> right. Can yeah. Hey, who are you? <laughs> where did you come from? <laughs> um, did you now? Can I ask the question because I know we're running out of time with you, but. Um, how have you pro I help help us and help the listeners process through I think people are processing through the sentiment of Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter along with the organization Black Lives Matter or things they might see happening in the culture and they're not quite sure how to process this. So I guess the better question I'd ask you is how have you processed it? Um the yeah. whole the whole yeah. thing how have you processed that the whole thing yeah i mean <laughs> everything is just i mean a lot going on well, that's what culture. people talk about people talk about black lives matter that's that's yeah. what they well, talk about so how have you processed that because let me listen to you listening to you man it sounds like there you've done some a lot of thinking about this so uh, obviously but how have you walked through this yeah let, let me just maybe even start by saying that uh one there is absolutely racism that exists in our country today. Right. Um, and, and racism is, uh, a gift or a curse that gets passed down from one generation to the next. Mm. And we are one generation away yep. from fanning the flames of racism to the point where they're out of control, or we're one generation away from this conversation being in a history book. Mm-hmm. Either way, we're one generation away. Hmm. And the only way we break that cycle is breaking what we pass down. And, and so that to me is, is, is an area where there are some of the best cops I've ever met that I've known since I was a kid. There are cops that have pulled me over and have known my dad and told me to get home by nine. There are cops that pulled me over because I was driving my dad's car in a neighborhood that they didn't think I belonged in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are great cops and there are bad cops. There are great doctors 
they're bad doctors, mm-hmm. right? They're great yeah. businessmen. They're bad businessmen. There's some bad and hedge so, funds, head fund managers. That's great. Oh, That's made man. the news a couple of times. It's good pastors yeah. and bad pastors. Yeah. Oh, they, we've definitely made sure. the news. Yeah. And so, so police are getting a, a pretty big front and center inspection on those bad people because yeah. there's such a, uh, a social media element and a life matter to it right it's a life or death profession from time Mm -hmm. to time the only reason that many of these other organizations aren't getting as much headlines around the racism is because it's not a life or death hey there's racism in a hedge fund and as a byproduct i don't hire this person that doesn't look like me well Mm. guess what hedge fund and people still go on and they live it's not real sexy of a story yeah Mm. i'm a bad cop and and you know what i jumped the gun and I did something egregious and somebody died. Well, that's a life or death matter that gets a lot more headlines mm, yeah. uh, and it's a lot more polarizing. And so I, I would say that that I believe in police and I want police at my beck and call when I need them because right. they are the best serve and protect that we've got. And so, but I don't want bad police officers mm-hmm. um, glorified or not held to the standard Mm -hmm. because the standard should be the standard. That's good. Right. And so we need just a standard refresh and an accountability of standard because the profession that you're in has life or death at at, at its stake, Mm. but defunding police and saying police are all bad craziness. Um, So let me just start there. What do you think? What fuels that? What fuels that? Do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would say this though is that while while racism is passed down, yes, um, and and it is something that that is is alive and well, um, that we need to break the cycle. Uh, I, I will I will tell you this is that that when I say it's passed down, I would say that this 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 Black Lives Matter movement is an expression of people that have had experiences that the only expression that they know how to 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 demonstrate is <laughs> um they don't have a platform or any other way to express their frustration um than than to join a movement and, and so i i believe that there are other ways to express it um and do we need to weed it out yes um, where does it start? Does it start with riots? No. Does it start with education? Yes. Um, and so this is a, a topic that I could, we, it could be a show in itself. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but the, the, the black lives movement for me is, is there's, there's two shades of this. Um, one, I think there's peaceful demonstration bringing to light some of the inequalities that really drives society forward. Um, so there's, there's one, uh, and, and there are some examples of, of numbers. Cause I, I, I say you gotta go with numbers, right? Cause numbers lie only if you, if you taint them. Uh, and so nowhere in the history have African Americans or blacks been more educated than today. No other time have we had more access to information to go out and be a consumer and develop yourself than today. So why are the numbers flat and declining in some industries with black representation? And so I think people look at this and and they they take this as a platform to go express their frustration. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's at the root of I would say 80% of the black lives movement. Mm-hmm. The 20% that everybody sees on TV are the extremists. Mm-hmm. Ryan, why did you do that? Um, your dad's an uncle Tom. Mm-hmm. Those are extremist comments, mm-hmm. right? And so what we're seeing is we're seeing extremists played out in front of us because for the 80% of peaceful demonstrations and saying we want to be a solution, the 20% that we see is rioting, looting, and, and essentially defacing progress. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, this Black Lives Movement could be a purposeful movement to highlight the fact that we're one generation away from solving this, or it could be a extremist movement that disenfranchises people from actually even volunteering or leaning in to solve the problem. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, like, yeah, too, Ryan, can I say that, uh, like, even to go a step, maybe 
uh, f- above that is I feel like the bad thing is I feel like there's white extremists who are hijacking that movement. Um, and like, like we had incidents in Pittsburgh where like the people getting arrested for doing the things that were they, they were egregious were white you know white under the blm manner yeah, yeah white yeah. young males uh who are jumping into these protests and causing all kinds of problems and and it was more like these lost kind of purposeless white males who were kind of in this movement who were doing stuff that was that was kind of bringing um you know a, a bad name to the black lives movement in many Certainly instances that, there's there's it's an opportunity that for people who are angry right. just to express anger for whatever motivation right. they have, whether that is uh, legitimate under the banner of racial uh, inequality or it's someone who's just wants to burn something. They can jump in and burn burn something at this time. So thank you for kind of helping make uh, helping us see the difference between that 80 and 20% uh, when it comes to this. Talk a little bit about, you know, you mentioned how the African-American community is more educated now than ever before, but yet their advancement economically is, is flatlined. Talk, talk a little bit about um, economic advancement in the African-American community and the frustration that lies there. Yeah, I, I mean, I would, I would boil it down to say this, too, is that, um, wow, um, <laughs> I, hate it. I hate that this is even coming out of my mouth when I say this, but... Um, I've learned that the the more you progress in your career, the more it comes down to less about what you know, more about who you know. And there are so many relationships that drive uh, employment, um, not down at the, you know, the doer level or the director level, but at the executive level, um, people tend to to favor people that have been there and done that or favor people that they know have uh, a level of background and pedigree that lines up to their success template. Hmm. And so there's so much relationship behind who gets what. The reality is, is that that those relationships um, haven't extended past their their network. Uh, and so part of the problem is, is that those educated individuals don't have a network outside of their own culture. Mm. And so they've never crossed over. And one of the things that I've benefited from in my career is not necessarily how smart I am, is that I've got relationships, both black and white, that have served me well um, and have put me in positions to do things that I was probably unqualified to do. Most blacks don't have those types of relationships and as a byproduct are stuck in mud Mm. trying to accelerate their career even if they're great performers because let's be candid i mean a lot of what most people get today is on the backs of strong relationships and endorsements from people that see something in them that they don't see in themselves there's not a lot of that in the black community Mm. and as a byproduct they're not advancing at the rate that i believe we should as as a people Uh, And so part of my motivation in working is because I don't see people that look like me in my positions or in boardrooms, I feel like it's it's a motivating factor for me to to be that person that somebody can look up to that looks like me to say, hey, if I put in the work, um, I can do that, too. And then how do I actually become part of the solution and pull up people that were in the same position as me and be a force multiplier? Ryan, I just you know, I think that's a really interesting point. This is John, by the way, and and I haven't said a lot so far, but I thought that was that's really helpful, not just for um, someone like yourself, but uh, for all of us who are looking for ways that we can kind of be a part of the solution, Correct. right, and not a part of the problem um, of using the spheres of influence that we have. Um, that we've been given in whatever area of life we have those influences and to be those who are willing and able to to use that um, for the good of others, even those who may not look like us or come from the same cultural uh, or ethnic background. Yeah, we don't realize what that means. Right. Oh, um, you, right? nailed, you nailed it. We don't you nailed realize, it. We, we don't know, realize what that means for a people group um, because oh, um, you, you nailed it. And that's really, really helpful. Well, when, when you were talking, just the word that just kept 
popping into my head was advocate. Yeah. You need it. There has to be somebody who is, has to be your advocate who advocate. We all need them. Right. We yeah. all need we them. All need and, them. and there just needs some, somebody has to take whatever privilege, if you want to use that word, whatever privilege you've been given. Opportunity. And whatever. as a Christian, you're called to take whatever privilege, opportunity, whatever you want to call it and use it for the, for the good of others. Mm-hmm. And I know that in the white community, that word privilege, it gets so people get real tense when you use it. But I think as a Christian, we should we should not shy away from that because that's our whole story. God, Jesus took all of his privilege, every privilege he ever had and laid it down and humbled himself, as Philippians says, to even death on a cross. And so, like, I don't understand why this that why that concept is so difficult for us to grasp about taking whatever advantage privilege whatever word you want to give it and using it for others i'm not sure why that across racial see, lines we don't that's see so what difficult. it means like what ryan just described shows mm-hmm. you what it means right yeah. and for, um we just have a different perspective yeah Ryan, I know that you've got to run here in a little bit, but um, can I ask Ryan how how have you done that, Ryan? Because you're in a great, yeah. it seems like you're in a great place right now, and you know the way Mike described you, and and how do you take your privilege now that you have and use it for the benefit of others? Yeah, it's a great question, and I would tell you it's it's, it's probably a great challenge too, right? right? Because it's 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 um in that question is something that 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 I should challenge, and 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 I will tell you this, I'll. I'll say this by saying one unnamed executive at my company came to me after, uh, after the George, George Floyd incident right. and said, Ryan, how, how can I not understanding, um, what you, what you're probably feeling or experiencing, how can I be part of the solution? Right. And I said, Hey, um, X, Y, Z executive. I said, Hey, um, when was the last time that um, you went out of your comfort zone to mentor or I'll use your word, advocate for someone that looked nothing like you. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your LinkedIn Rolodex look like? If you just went in your top, call it a hundred LinkedIn contacts or Rolodex, is there someone in there that you could go to and create a, a formal mentorship for? Mm. Uh, is there someone that you can go in there and take what you've been given in the dominant culture and pass that baton on, whether that's a learning, whether that's a relationship, whether that's an internship. Um, we did an intake class this year for our graduate program. We brought in 25 kids in our graduate program, zero blacks. Mm-hmm. And so she, I said, you're the head of the internship program. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you set aside um, internships for schools that don't look like Penn Yale, Harvard, Princeton, maybe we change it up a little bit and go through a different pipeline. Mm. Um, so, so that is for me and for myself, I would even say this, it's, it's, it's equally as hard for me being in that position because the one thing that I told Mike, I called Mike afterwards and said, wow, the one thing that I'm struggling for is my CEO is coming to me for for answers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, Ryan, okay, well, what do you do? I said, wow, you're the CEO. <laughs> you, you tell me, right? Um, and in all seriousness, I said, hey, the, the, the worst thing that you can do is set a quota uh, mm-hmm. to something that you're not going to be able to deliver mm-hmm. because you're fishing in, in, a, in a pool that has one striper and a bunch of bass. Mm-hmm. And so if you really want a striper, <laughs> you're going to have to fill the pool with a, a, def, a different class of fish. Right. Um, and so, you know, it just kept me, for me, it's, it's a good challenge. I'm intentionally trying to do this through how I spend my free time with individuals in our organization that have never gotten past a certain level. Um, I'm now on the Black Employee Network I wasn't. Uh, and so now I'm, I'm spending time there to try to figure out how I can actually take some of my hard lessons learned, good and bad, how I can take some of my network and, and extend it so, so, so that those, those that want to participate, not those that want a free ride, can then come and align and, and use that platform for growth. Because you can either grow by learning in books, but there's something about life experiences that people can teach you that you just can't learn in a textbook. Really and so those are things that if you pass down, um, at first is uncomfortable. 
Um, but man, Paul said it best, right? Choose to suffer for Christ. Mm-hmm. And that may not be like, hey, what does that look like for me? It may look different for me than it looks like for you. Um, but 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 Christianity is is about spreading its gospel and the message of Christ and grace. Um, we don't have that threat <laughs> that Paul had. Right. Um, but our threat looks a lot different today. Mm. Uh, our threat is social, economic status, perception of our peers, uh, fill in the blank. And so uh, we just have a call. And I would say that that is part of what Christianity is, is it's extending the network. And so if, it's, if that's our call to do that, it should look the same way um, as you're trying to, to break racial diversity. That's great, Ryan. Thank you for, for that. You really helped us out a lot today. Just gain some perspective on this topic that's really explosive in society right now. Just one last question for you. Just want to let you wrap it up this way. I mean, you're talking to three pastors, pastor churches here in, in Western Pennsylvania. Um, are, we, we have good people, um, and they're trying to make sense of everything in society. What would you say to them? If you just had a, a couple of things to say to to people uh, from the African-American perspective, uh, what would you want to say? Yeah, I would, I would, I would probably say this, um, help your, your flock, your congregation be comfortable being uncomfortable. Hmm. Um, Hmm. Be, be comfortable when someone shows up that doesn't look like them. Um, I think that, that for me and having Mike and you know this, right. I, I went to an all black church, mm-hmm. uh, and then all of a sudden went to an all white church and, uh, uh, sitting in an all black church. If, uh, well, I'll use Russ, right. Cause you know, Russ, right. We have this friend, Russ, he walks in, uh, to an all black church and he's from an all white town. He grew up and it makes me smile. He, the thought makes me he smile. Wa- <laughs> he, walks into, he walks into my church. He's like, Ryan, um, there's a lot of black people here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Russ, yeah, he goes, oh, but it's okay. This is good. Um, uh, but Russ and you, Mike, you know this. I mean, he just he's a chameleon. He blends in with anybody. But but even Russ, who blends in, um, it took him back. Yep. Um, and he was literally in a place of worship. And because he just didn't look like everybody else, just his nature for seeing color just – was uncomfortable until he just got to know the people. Yeah. And so for me, that's, that's, that's my, that's my, my, uh, my ask is we're not going to solve it with a podcast or we're not going to solve it even with painful. It's just a community of people getting comfortable being uncomfortable until we pass down what we want and we break this cycle. Mm, that's true. That's so true in so many different areas. Of Good life. word, Ryan. So that's a great word. Thank you. Hey, for thanks for being with us. Appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for jumping on, and thank you for your perspective. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, go Browns. Let's beat the Steelers this (laughs) year. Oh, my gosh. You lost me. You lost me there. Right, Ryan? Hey, listen. Dude, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Say it. You're right. You're right. You're right. Go Browns. That's right, baby. Go Brownies. Well, we haven't edited this yet, so (laughs) we can't take both of you out. We can take both of you out. This isn't live. <laughs> Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Sounds good, man. Thank All you, right, Ryan. Take care. Take care. Bye. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it a lot. And we're going to take a break and be back with you in just a minute on Post Christian Pastors. Welcome back to Post Christian Pastors. This is John Price, and that was a great conversation with Ryan. I yeah. uh, really appreciated his perspective and helping us kind of think through and give us just you know what his experience has been. And you know, I think what's what we have to realize is that everybody has a different experience, <laughs> no matter. His seems to have been rather. I don't know what the right way to say is balanced. balanced. Yeah. yeah, where he had this, and he saw both sides, which a yep. lot of people do not. Right. I I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I, I love can't. That about Ryan I can't be the person that says I've seen really both sides. Yep, absolutely. And, but he. But I think he has. Yeah, I think one thing that was really helpful in his in that conversation was him reminding us of how important relationships are. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of 
every, in all of life, uh, but in specifically as he talked about in terms of advancing in yes. um, in careers and you know advancing in you know kind of uh, socioeconomic status, all those things. Relationships really have an interesting part to play in that. And you know, it reminded me of uh, Dr. John Perkins, um, his three R's. Um, our relocation, reconciliation, redistribution. Explain those. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes we hear those and people are like, what? People are going to freak. <laughs> people are going to freak. People um, already shut you off, John. Oh, no, I said redistribution. Yeah, Everybody just gone. turned off the podcast. <laughs> you're a liberal. You're a liberal. <laughs> and You um, are Presbyterian. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was, don't even go there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I'm kidding. I know. And so and he was, what he's getting at is, you know, relocation is proximity, right? Yeah. Like, uh, and that could be actual relocating. It could be actually selling your home and moving into a community that- who have done that right. just, just for racial reconciliation right. purposes. Exactly. Yeah. Relocation, you know, is, is one and that's, you know, pr- proximity, yep. you know, the more, you know, pr- proximity we have to people that are different than us. I, I knew a church in Memphis, Tennessee, a, a, a white church, predominantly white church, who literally people all a, a group of people from their church a fair amount moved to one city one block mm. mm-hmm. and they their goal was to just transform you know a block at a time they actually took their one of them took their backyard and turned it into it was a really nice backyard <laughs> turned it into a, a complete basketball court mm. and just told everybody in the neighborhood you can come yep. if we're home and the lights are on they put lights up and everything lights are on and we're home you can come anytime and I thought that was a great it's cool. relocation, as you you were saying. Yeah. Relocation, proximity. proximity, right? The, the closer like, we are to other, get comfortable. Get the comfortable. closer we are to people yeah. who are different than us in terms of proximity, the more opportunity it is to get to know them personally and those type of things. Um, reconciliation um, is huge. Reconciliation, obviously, we are reconciled to God in Christ Jesus, right? That's the, and that we are also reconciled in Christ with one another, and. As Paul says in Second Corinthians, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Like we are ambassadors, like God in Christ making His appeal through us. Mm. And so our primary is recon- is to make that appeal of people being reconciled to God. But our secondary, but that's not it. right? It's this right. That's it's it, love God and love your neighbor. But right? Evangelicals often stop right with the reconciliation. Oh, I'm good with God. Right. Exactly. Yep. Right. And so we are called you know to reconciliation with one another. Yes. And so that's that's part of it as well. And then the uh, final one is redistribution, right? And that's that's where it can be you like said well, it again. I know. It's not just wealth. It's yeah. not just yeah. wealth, yeah. right? Say, and, say, tell and, us what that. Ex- and it can be wealth, right? There can be a one. sense where, yeah. hey, that there is a sense where maybe there is a opportunity where redistribution needs to take place to bring about fair, you know, fair. Um, but what does it also? Mean? But also means redistribution, redistributing um, just our. Um, our influence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like what Ryan was talking about is a great, you know, it's his, what he t- spoke about was relocation, right? Proximity mm-hmm. and redistribution, like taking your <laughs> spheres of influence and redistributing them, Your right? LinkedIn Rolodex, <laughs> right? Yeah. right? That's what right. you say, right? Yeah. Thinking about like, you know, how, how am I, as a follower of Christ, how am I, as someone who cares about this, seeking to redistribute right. what I've been given in ways that can be helpful and serve others, right? All three of us sitting here, I guarantee, had somebody who stepped in for us. Oh, absolutely. Right? Somebody who gave us a shot, somebody who believed in us, somebody who decided to take their privilege, Mm -hmm. if you will, and and gave it to us. and. They got me into college, right? I mean, I'm dead serious. You certainly didn't get it on your own. No, I I think it was a personal favor by someone that actually really helped me uh, along the way. Not just there, but many places, many steps along the way. Right. I have this really interesting story. When I was living in D.C., I got invited to a a prayer breakfast. Not the prayer breakfast, but a prayer breakfast on Capitol Hill. And I went with my senior pastor, and I met this, you know, the – yeah, the um, chief of staff of a very well-known senator. Yeah. And the chief of staff met me, and because I was with the guy I was with, the pastor I was with, who he respected fully, and then the 
pastor introduced me and said, you know, who I was and that I graduated from Geneva College. Mm-hmm. He said to me, not knowing anything about me, if you ever want a job, <laughs> let me know and you're hired. Yeah. I mean, that is Yep. That that's, is that's that, access. that's 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 access, access. That's right? What Ryan was talking about. <laughs> that's yeah, exactly that's what Ryan was talking about. I mean, I had no. <laughs> yep. That was unmerited favor. I was unmerited favor. <laughs> I, I, I had no qualifications, you know, yep. that, that would have put me as being able to serve as a staffer for the right. senator. Yeah. Wow. And I and basically, if you so ever, you knew. huh? That's it who I knew. That's who I knew. Yeah. It is. It's a huge deal. Yeah. And that's. I, I mean. If anybody should understand this, it's Christians. Right. Right. We have an advocate in Christ. <laughs> who do we know? Who we know. <laughs> yeah. It's who we knew. Right. No, that's it, just like Mike got into college. You ain't getting anywhere without Jesus. Yes. You ain't getting anywhere. You ain't that's getting right. in, in without him. Either am I. Ryan was talking about his dad. His dad was an early advocate, but he's had other ones. And, and we all did too. We all had advocates in our family. Then we had advocates in our professional life or in our college life. Like we just, we had no shortage of mentors and advocates. And maybe that's one of the strongest things the church can do to step into this cultural moment and say, we are here to advocate for you and we will do whatever we can. Well, that is, uh, I think we're going to, I think it's going to be another week of this, right? What do you think? Uh, several weeks. Yeah, sure. several weeks. Sure so we, we'll talk about this topic again. We <laughs> yeah. call this podcast Lost in America. Let's just say it's part one. <laughs> and uh, next time we'll get to part two and it might have some connection or some other because there's enough things in our culture going on right now that we could we could talk about a lot of things but thanks for being here today guys we're going to wrap it up here on post-christian pastors as always find us on all the podcasting platforms uh share us with people find us on facebook um anywhere you can you know invite somebody to listen to this uh we would love to have you do that and uh we will see you soon right see you guys later all right john peace out peace (laughs) out and uh yeah i'm trying to profound to say <laughs> goodbye is good chill everybody <laughs> word to your mother <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>